This is uh, quarterback Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina. You're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network, Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report, Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record, Jeremy, he took the day off. I mean, I, I guess he thinks because ULM is on a bye that he gets to take a bye as well. But with that said, Jer- uh, Shane, I'm glad you're here, even if Jeremy just said, screw you guys, I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming clear we can't really rely on Jeremy. You know, not even for the comic relief he sometimes brings us, but we'll, we'll manage to get sometimes. by today, I think. Yeah, <laughs> we will make it. But it's an exciting time right now. We're we're actually finally into the conference action when we're talking about volleyball, women's soccer, men's soccer as well. Where do we want to kick off? I mean, we have the number one team in men's soccer with Marshall taking over the top ranks. I think the top three even are Sunbelt Conference members. Huge year for Sunbelt soccer. Marshall, number one, as you mentioned, they got a top five matchup with – UCF coming up, which is a conference, which is a conference match. If people haven't been following along with all the affiliates for soccer in the Sun Belt, but um, yeah, it's huge. And the Sun Belt's starting to kind of eat itself alive a little bit because of all these like ranked matchups happening in conference. But I still think it's going to be a situation where there's a ton of teams from this league getting into the NCAA tournament. I look up and down the standings there, and, and I got I got to point out Georgia Southern. They seem kind of snake bitten. One, three, and three. That they're not bad, but they're just not getting it done. Yeah, it's just like it's going to be tough, like for them, like the three ties. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, if it's not a loss in soccer, that's pretty good. Um, three ties, it's tough, and you feel like maybe you could be a little bit better. And it's not going to get any easier in conference play when you look at you. Like you mentioned in the coaches' poll. Marshall, West Virginia, UCF are your top three teams, and they're all in the Sun Belt. It's it's crazy to think that uh, there's a sport that the Sun Belt Conference is dominating like this. Hey, we we knew it was happening. It was just a matter of time before everyone else knew it was happening. <laughs> in addition to the men's soccer, the women finally breaking ground there on the Sun Belt Conference portion of the schedule. A lot of a lot of great matchups. They they actually already had their their first round of Sun Belt Conference games. So everyone's one and 0 and one. I think South Alabama Southern Miss had a draw there, so they're o o and one. But it's exciting to see that this is the time when we start seeing things kind of shake out. See if it's really going to be James Madison, Old Dominion leading the charge as we expect in the women's side of things. But then you have the dark horse. I mean, ULM goes to Huntington, gets a 3-1 win. Maybe the Warhawks uh, can actually contend this year. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, because the men's soccer has been so good, I haven't paid quite as much attention to the women. But I know ODU and JMU have been solid. And, yeah, like you said, there's some other schools that are kind of kind of making that push. And we'll see how they shake out once they start playing some of these, some of these matches against each other. We're coming up on week four. 
impressions so far through the first three weeks of football action? I feel like the league has been in a lot of ways about what we expected. Some surprises. I mean, you know, a Georgia State or an Old Dominion are a little bit better than we thought. Uh, a ULM, I think, is better than maybe we thought. Um, maybe Troy and South Alabama have been somewhat disappointing, but it seems like South Alabama is getting it together. I don't know. It's been fun. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I can't believe we're like a quarter of the way through. You, know, you guys were talking about scheduling something for, for October the other day, and I was like, Jesus, it can't actually be October coming up already, can it? But uh, but it's it's fun. Yeah, I I think the Sun Belt is in a pretty good spot right now. I think so as well. And looking at the stats, a little skewed because this team has only played twice this season. But who would you say coming into week four is the best defense right now in the league? St- statistically speaking. Well, I think you might have given it away when you said they've only played twice so far. I think Marshall's the only one, right? Which Correct. is not super surprising. I mean, they were really, really, really good on defense last year. It seems like that's going to be their identity, um, especially under Charles Huff. But, yeah, I mean, I guess when they have a challenging game against Virginia Tech coming into Huntington this week, we'll see if that if those numbers still hold up. Yeah, I mean, it, that'll be a great game. It's the morning before the big soccer matchup, so you get football all day long there in Huntington. I think one of the other big surprises when we look across at the the stats, I did not think that Bryn Davis would be able to follow the heels of Kyle Van, Van Trees from last year at Georgia Southern, but he's doing it. He's he's right knocking at the 1,000-yard mark already on the season. Five touchdowns. Unfortunately, seven interceptions. I swear they were all last week. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like it. And, um, yeah, I mean, if he can get that under control, then Georgia Southern seems like they're still rolling because, you know, like we talked about in the last episode, you take away those interceptions, they were – right there if not outplaying Wisconsin and you know not an easy place to go up and play but they're they're used to a sea of red I guess when it comes to Georgia Southern and not intimidated by the Big Ten atmosphere um but yeah if he if he can control the turnovers I think the Eagles have a chance to uh, kind of play sleeper in a really really stacked east on the quarterback front, I think coming into this year, we we knew that Grayson McCall was probably the biggest name brand of the league's quarterbacks. But I really thought that that Carter Bradley was going to be kind of the best player all around. He's right in the middle of the pack, eighth right now in the Sunbelt Conference standings. 600 yards passing, four TDs, three picks. Kind of surprised by his play, or, or is that about what you expected from him? Yeah, I mean... I think it's too early maybe to like just get bogged down in where everybody's stats are compared to each other. It, a lot of teams have played an FCS opponent where maybe they're just not going to like air it out the way they normally would different things. So I don't know if I'm like too concerned about where he is statistically, but I mean, at the same time, if we're just talking about like who's the best quarterback in the league, we, we've talked about it before. It might be Darren Granger right now, even better than even more than Jason McCall. They get a chance to, duke it out and settle that 
tomorrow, but um, yeah, I think there's a few quarterbacks who kind of have that claim on being the best in the conference right now. And and I still, even though he's second statistically in the league, I still feel like he's kind of an afterthought and really flying way under the radar. And and maybe this national spotlight game there going head-to-head with Grayson McCall on Thursday night is what it takes to kind of propel him up. But he's he's got to kind of uh, put his money money up on that game and, and actually perform in, on the national stage. Yeah, and you know, not to say that like he's a Heisman candidate or anything, but like you know, they talk about having like the Heisman moment. You go back to your hometown and outplay the all everything Grayson McCall. That would be like one of those moments where like it would kind of like wake up the nation to to Darren Granger if he can do that on national TV. Not surprised defensively, averaging 14 tackles a game. Jason Henderson, I he, he's just a machine. That's the only way to describe it. I think the one thing that I am kind of surprised about, no sacks, no no real hurries on the season. And, and so it tells me that he's not really maybe being as aggressive going forward and playing more of the lateral game there in that, that second front of the, of the defense. But the guy can still play. He's a dude. I'd take him any day. I have the feeling that that he's he's done enough to maybe start getting his name mentioned for those latter rounds of a uh, Sunday performance. Yeah, I mean, when you're making that many tackles, I mean, there's just there's no way around, you know, saying you're doing a great job. Like you're getting in on that many plays. And as a guy who obviously, like you said, he's not getting into the backfield as much, but that's sideline on the sideline if you're making that many tackles. Um, in a game, it's it. The numbers are just kind of astounding. It's hard to believe that he's doing that week in, week out. Now we get to move on. Second and short for week four of the season. It all starts off Thursday night. Georgia State, the Panthers head to the teal field to take on Coastal Carolina. I'll tell you, it, it's hard to pick against Grayson McCall and the shots in this game. But I really feel that the Panthers are the better team coming in. They just got to show it now. Yeah, I mean they've been they've been rolling. They've they've played well. They've done what they needed to do. Um, they can kind of uh, kick that entire idea of them taking September off to the curb if they uh, do this one. And yeah, they've been I think a more complete product so far than Coastal. And Coastal maybe has more talent and depth all around, but. New coaching staff, some changes to the offense and everything. Like I feel like, I feel like Georgia State's probably in a better spot week four than Coastal is. Whether they'll be there at the end of the season, I'm not sure. But like this week, I, I really like Georgia State. Saturday morning, full of Sun Belt Conference games. Western Kentucky travels to Lower Alabama to take on Troy. The Hilltoppers seem to have been always the Sun Belt slayers, though. Ever since they left the league. It's like they're pissed that, that they didn't get the invite to come back. And and, and Big Red is, is once again going to take on the Trojans. I'm interested to see how this Trojan team rebounds after kind of that heartbreaking loss last week to James Madison. Are they able to kind of put it be- <clears throat> behind them and, and play this game? Or are the Hilltoppers just coming in once again to kill the Sun Belt? Well, I mean, two things about Troy is they were the Sun Belt team that got tr- – that got Western Kentucky last year. They went up, 
went up to uh, Bowling Green and won. So, you know, as good as Western Kentucky's been against the Sun Belt, Troy does have that history of beating them. Troy also lost a heartbreaker in week three last year to start conference play and then ran the table. So, you know, that they, they, they kind of have, I guess that like, at least that to look back on and like as motivation this week to say, Hey, this is not the end of our season. We can still do everything we've wanted to do and everything we did last year. If we get it together right now. Going on at the same time, Virginia tech gets some more sunbelt heat as they travel to take on Marshall thundering herd. Virginia tech beat old dominion to open the season this year. Maybe I'm 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 kind of uh, blinded by the sun, but I really like the herd in this one and able to get defend the home turf and get another P5 win. It would be four weeks in a row that the Sun Belt's beaten a P5 conference team. Yeah, and you know Marshall getting them at home, um, I think that's going to be huge, huge atmosphere. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a big boost to Marshall. Marshall's got a great defense that we've talked about. Virginia Tech has struggled offensively for the past couple of years. Uh, they got by ODU first week of the season, but that was in Lane Stadium in Blacksburg. I think it's going to be much tougher for them against it was what I think is still a pretty solid Marshall team and going to Huntington where it's just going to be everybody all in on making it hell for, for the Hokies there. We get a little action in our lives this week. The Eagles fly up to take on the Cardinals of Ball State. Ball State, a deceivingly one and two team. Their first two games, losses to Kentucky and UGA, but able to get a win last week against Indiana State. I don't really know enough about this Ball State team to be able to say what they are or are not really capable of. And maybe they don't even know what they're really capable of as well. Really running into that buzzsaw to pay the bills early on in the season. Yeah, I mean, it's a road game for Georgia Southern, but I, I really feel like they're going to bounce back um, against Ball State. Like we said before, they played so well against Wisconsin with the exception of the turnovers and the interceptions. They could probably get by with being a little more conservative against Ball State, not take as many risks, hopefully cut down on those turnovers. And I, I think Georgia Southern is going to take care of take care of. The Cardinals, they're Ball State's Cardinals, right? I think they're going to take care of them. Cardinals with an S. They are not the elite of the Stanford that are just singular. In a first, and I will put an asterisk next to this game as well, Texas A&M Commerce travels to Old Dominion. The first ever FBS, FCS game for the Lions as they take on the Monarchs. This is another team that might really might have a little bit of an identity crisis out of the Southland Conference here in my neck of the woods, but they've opened up with the number 16 UC Davis, losing that one 48 to 10, lost to number nine Sacramento State 34 to six. They've ran into the buzzsaw. What do they do though when they not only have to step up into that FBS stage, but also on the road, and trying to rebound after two really tough ranked losses. I think Old Dominion takes out some frustrations in this game, but knowing that this is kind of the the big game for the Lions, nothing ever surprises me, but come on, Monarchist. 
Yeah, I, I feel like ODU is a chance to kind of bounce back after a tough loss to Wake Forest where they thought they had a real chance to win that game for the vast majority of it. Um, and, but, you know, Wake comes back on them. I was really intrigued by this game when it was sort of on the schedule the last couple of years because you know, David Bailiff, when he was coaching at Texas A&M Commerce, they had like a very, very, very uh, um, unique and innovative offense. Um, I, I really don't know anything about like what the current staff and the current system is like. So I mean, it's, I'm not as excited about this one as I was maybe a, a year or two ago when I saw it was going to be on the schedule. But um, yeah, I think ODU is going to, going to take care of business and probably get to play some uh, backups in this one. It's always good when the guys that never get their name called, get their name called because for, for a good reason, I should say <laughs> a little bit more action because we haven't had enough already. The Chippewas central Michigan traveled to South Alabama to take on the Jaggy wires. You got to see how this Jaguar team rebounds. They're on cloud nine, having having gone and beaten Oklahoma State last week, given the Sun Belt their third straight win over the P five this season. What do they do? Are are are, are their heads too big? Or are they kind of grounded and, and ready to take care of business? Because this Chippewa team is, is not a bad program right now, coming in one and two. But again, their losses have been kind of the bill pays playing at Michigan State at Notre Dame, getting a close squeaker win over New Hampshire. I don't think that they have the talent of the Jaguars, but it's a question of what Jaguars team do we get? Yeah, I could see this being one where it takes takes South Alabama a quarter or two to settle in to get their heads back down to earth after the big win, but they're going to be playing at home. Their crowd is going to be amped up coming off the Oklahoma state victory. They're, they think they're back. It's going to be, it's going to be a good atmosphere in mobile. And I think South Alabama is just a better team. Although I'm not, you know, not to run away with it. I mean, the 15 point spread seems pretty big for Sunbelt versus Mac to me, but uh, I, I think South Alabama probably settles in and, and wins it comfortably. A big game I have circled that I definitely want to have tuned into the TV this Saturday, 6 o'clock, the Wolfpack from Nevada travel to San Marcos, site of that bludgeoning beatdown that the Bobcats put on Jackson State last week. Can they do it again? I think that last week was a big game for the Bobcats allowing them to really get a lot of confidence, play a lot of people to really see what that depth looks like, make sure that they have everybody in the right position, playing the right way. My gut tells me it's the Bobcats really taking care of business and and rolling on, getting that next win and putting them one game closer to the Magic Six wins for a bowl eligibility. Yeah, I, I with you. I think Texas State – wins this one probably relatively easily. Although Nevada, after getting blown out by Idaho, how, how that happens, I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously, in a blowout blow loss. Idaho is not to be taken lightly, though. But, you know, a blowout loss to USC is probably what you expect. But they play Kansas closer than you would have expected based on those fr- first two results. 
Um, maybe Nevada's get a little bit better, but they got to go on the road to play Texas State team that's uh, better than we expected to be, to be. That fan base is still fired up. That's going to be a Texas State victory. And, you know, I'm really – these games we're getting into to talk about the Sun Belt Mountain West battle, I think they're, they're huge for the conference. Another one right there, as, as you mentioned, Sun Belt Mountain West, App State traveling out west to Wyoming. I'm curious about the big picture of this one on App State. They got the big win last week, but they now have to go out west, a difficult place to get to, and and play a pretty good Cowboys team that really gave Texas uh, some fits last week. And then App State has to go on the road next week as they get ready for Sunbelt Conference action, traveling to Monroe, what's that toll going to look like when they when they travel into Monroe, and how physical is this game going to be? Because I'll tell you, that that Wyoming-Texas game last week was a, was a good physical game, and, and I think the question was more about the depth, and you saw that in the second half, than the overall score of the game. Yeah, and we saw... And at the start of the season, Texas Tech goes to Wyoming and sees how hard it is to play there. Uh, there's elevation. I mean, for for an East Coast team, App State has as much of an elevation advantage as any other team on the East Coast. But Wyoming is a different beast. It's seven thousand feet up there. Um, teams teams have to deal that when deal with that when they go out there. Um, it's been a tough place for a lot of teams to play i think app state is good enough to win there but there's just a lot of other factors involved with the the travel and everything else still the most interesting place in the press box there's no formalized media dining there's a guy that rolls around with a taco cart to roll you a taco (laughs) whenever you're ready for it on that note though shane you're well traveled what is the best and the worst media food you've had in covering games? Oh, are we talking strictly college football? Of course. Okay. Cause you know, Martinsville speedway here in Virginia is it's famous for it's either love it or hate it hot dogs. Uh, and I, I personally kind of hate them, but uh, so that, that would be my worst if we we're, if we were opening it up to everything. I don't know. It's hard to think about what really stands out other than um, the one time I've been to Southern Miss. They had good, you know, uh, good down home sort of New Orleans styles. They're not far from New Orleans. I don't know exactly what. I remember red beans and rice and a lot of stuff. That was good. I I enjoyed that one. I enjoy when it's um, something regional that you might not get in your uh, home press box. So, So that one stands out to me. Best for me, still probably got to be North Texas. I don't know what kind of trade agreement they had. The Outback, was, the Outback with a steak and baked potato, you can't beat that. And that was the, 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 the press box meal. The worst, ironically, Alabama. They tried to cook some kind of jambalaya and put way too many tomatoes in it that it was like chunks of tomatoes with rice and something. And it was absolutely disgusting. Did make up for it, though, with the best strawberry shortcake I've probably ever had. 
Strawberry Shortcake sounds kind of good right now, actually. <laughs> a game that won't be a cupcake game. Southern Miss traveling to Jonesboro for their Sunbelt Conference opener against the Red Wolves. Yes, the Red Wolves proved me wrong. They beat Stony Brook last week. Congrats. It's not happening this week. I think that this is a week where Southern Miss finally gets things going, gets it rolling, rebounds from their loss to Tulane and all of their early season woes, puts it together, and goes 1-0 in conference action. Yeah, I mean, congrats to Arkansas State getting the victory and getting getting off the uh, snide there. But Stony Brook's not even good by FCS standards. And so, like, it's – I'm not convinced that they've totally turned a corner in Jonesboro and it, as tough as it's been at Southern Miss this year, I just think they've got more talent and are just going to be the better team in this one. We get our final matching Saturday night as well. Buffalo travels down to Cajun country to take on the raging Cajuns. Louisiana Lafayette able to kind of right the ship able to see what they were really capable of doing last week against UAB. And I think that they continue rolling this week against Buffalo, a team that just really has not impressed me early on sitting at 0 and three and none of their games have really been too, too close. I mean, they got, they lost to Fordham and, and FCS school. I, I, I don't see where this team is, is going to make much noise and it's all Cajuns all the time. Yeah, they got blown out by Liberty last week. I don't think this is one of Liberty's best teams in recent years either. Um, I think of Buffalo as being a usually pretty solid program, but they're just not looking like it to start this season. Um, Louisiana at home, I think, gives them another opportunity to continue to bounce back from starting out 0-1 in conference play. And I I think they're going to take care of the Bulls pretty easily. Your game to close out the night, I I will not be able to watch it because I definitely won't be able to stay up that late since it's out on the West Coast. Mountain West, Utah State Aggies against James Madison Dukes. You got to love the Dukes, but you you always wonder about that cross-country flight and and playing away from your, your home. How does that impact you? I think James Madison definitely has the talent. They definitely have the skill players. It's a matter of, of kind of that third element of the game and, and what's it look like with them being on the road. Yeah. I mean, we talked too about um, Wyoming going out or App State going to Wyoming to deal with elevation. There's a little bit of that for uh, the Dukes at Utah State, too. Um, you know, Kurt Signetti said their choice, you have a choice when you want to deal with the elevation. You either go as early as you can or you go as late as you can, and they're going late to spend as little time as possible before it starts to really affect them. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think JMU, yeah, probably is a better team on a neutral field than this Utah State team that's still sorting things out at quarterback. But um, it's a road game. It's also potentially, like, if you look at the schedule, it's potentially, like, the trap game on JMU's schedule, a team that, you know, Utah State emotionally doesn't really register to JMU or its fans. And they know they're coming back to face South Alabama next week at home. And what's already game's already sold out. If they're going to have like a letdown trap game type of one, this is probably the one on their schedule where it might happen. The power of Blake Anderson and also another team that was a founding member of the Sunbelt Conference for football. 
Maybe they're a little, little upset that they didn't get the invite to come back as well. That's it, Shane. We did it. Yeah. We made it through it flying solo with no Jeremy. And you know what? It was, it was actually a good episode and it was short, but yeah, we still have to give our plug promo and parting shot. Please fire away. Okay. Well, I saw this right before we jumped on and started recording, but have you seen the news about sports illustrated and they're launching college town resorts starting in toss starting in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but they're going to launch these luxury resorts. I think geared towards people who travel in to see games and, or, you know, for whatever reason brings you to a college town, very interesting concept. It start like I said, it starts in Tuscaloosa. So they're not, we're not talking, you know, college town as in like next to USC in LA or something like it, it, it's an interesting concept. I'm wondering if we'll ever see this trickle down to, you know, a Monroe or Jonesboro or Harrisonburg, but they look really nice, really cool. Um, anything that, you know, attracts more people to our, to our fair little college towns that, uh, keeps the money coming in, I think is a pretty, pretty interesting idea. Maybe ESPN will finally make some money to, uh, hire us as, as on air talent. Yeah. I, I remember when Sports Illustrated was a magazine. I'm old enough to remember that. And uh, I don't know if they even still print out a magazine, but uh, I guess they're getting into the resort business. <laughs> For my parting shot, I I think I know where Jeremy went, by the way, Shane. The Senate has scrapped the formality that you have to wear a coat and tie when you're on the Senate floor. <laughs> Meaning... As long as you are dressed what they deem appropriately, you're you're welcome to come in and debate on the Senate floor. I think Jeremy's trying to become a senator. Yeah. I could see Jeremy running for office. I, I don't I see, Jeremy see Jeremy running, I could see Jeremy's campaign coming to a crashing halt for a variety of reasons, but I could see him running for office and I could see him wearing the smoking jacket to uh debate on the Senate floor. The damn smoking jacket comes back again. <laughs>